Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. I've got a really great guest on today, somebody who um, I've actually known for about a year or so now, and somebody that I um, had spent some time with on the speaking circuit when we were both doing a lot of speaking in the industry. And uh, as we continued to have conversations, the more I learned about this gentleman and the company that he worked for made my decision to leave my old firm and join EXP. I am joined today with the CEO of EXP, Jason Guessing. Jason, welcome to the show today. Hey, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's great, uh, great to be on with you. And uh, it, every, every time our paths crossed over the last year, an absolute joy. And of course, we get to work together every day now. And uh, it's, uh, it's just been fantastic. So thank you. It's been my joy. I should be thanking you. I wish we would have met sooner than a year ago. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things where I feel as though this is where I've always should have been, and it's a wonderful home, and we'll get into a lot of that as we get into the conversation, but I'm glad you made the time, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Jason, I know that you came from a law background. And um, I want to know, and if you could share with the listeners, can you tell me how you got to lead the fastest growing real estate company in America? Where was that career shift? You know, my dad was also an attorney. And so it was interesting. I'm always interested when people leave a law background and go into another career and, uh, and, and are really able to succeed in that other career. So tell me a little bit about that trajectory. Well, I, you know, I ask myself the same question every single day, Michael. How did I sort of end up in this position? You know, I mean, I scratch my head every day and I ask that question. Um, and as for, you know, the law, I, I mean, it, that that was sort of formed a part of my professional background and experience. Um, and you know, the, I uh, I ended up in law school for all of the reasons. So I guess I, I'll start there. And I discovered probably about halfway through the, uh, the, the three-year experience that you know, this this may not necessarily be the best fit for me, but uh, I was heavily invested in, in the education at the time, and I got a great education. It was a great experience in law school. Um, but my interest, I you know, ever since I was a child, and I think it's because I had a, you know, one of my best friends uh, had a father who was a developer of Class A office space up here north of Boston. And uh, uh, so I'm always interested in how things were being built and sort of the impact uh, on the community. He built things like driving ranges and self-storage units before those things became so popular and, and lots of houses as well. Uh, and then when I, when I got into the law, uh, the first thing I did when I was admitted to the bar in Massachusetts was uh, fill out the one piece of paper you need to complete in order to get your real estate broker's license. Now, debatable whether or not that's sufficient uh, effort and, and understanding in order to, to qualify for the credential, but I, I completed that. And so I've been licensed now uh, as a broker since 2002, and I would go on. I, I got broker's licenses in both New Hampshire and Maine as well, and I had a, a small brokerage uh, of my own. Uh, we got up at one point to about 16, 17 agents, and it was, um, it was something that I was doing concurrent with my, my law practice. And my law practice itself was not, uh, it was transactional. I was involved in a lot of uh, land use, uh, uh, public construction, public bidding, uh, conveyancing, commercial lease work. Um, so it, there was always tied in uh, to, to real estate and to property in some form or fashion, which was great because it gave me that perspective, which is entirely different from the perspective of being the agent. 
uh, and I can remember actually sitting at a closing table as, as one of the attorneys on a, on a deal and looking over the table, you know, and I had all these documents in front of me and I had to notarize this one. I had to bring that one up to the window. I had to send this one back over here and you got to keep it all straight. And, uh, uh, and I look over at the agent and the agent has one piece of paper and it's an invoice. And it, you know, it, and I realized right then that I was in the wrong seat. <laughs> but I've always liked the business. And I think one of the things about the law, you know, you bill by the hour. And uh, when you do that, it, you know, it, it really discourages uh, people from calling you unless they have a crisis on their hands. And uh, one of the things that's been so refreshing about being on this side of things uh, now for, uh, well, probably close to 12 years uh, exclusively is is that you know agents are wonderful wonderful people i mean they want to talk they want to engage i, I don't i can't think of a, a group of professionals that are more positive minded and and always believing that they can get things done and that's a really great feeling that's a really great environment in which to work and a uh, great attitude to to immerse yourself in and, and it rubs off so uh but the 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 shift in terms of exp uh, occurred in I guess late 2009, probably a month or so after the company launched, when Glenn launched the company, I think there were about maybe 25 agents or so at the time, and they were all in this uh, uh, Arizona, Washington State, uh, West Coast. And um, I had a, a contact that I had uh, gotten to know uh, in the industry uh, who was with a company that focused uh, entirely on what at the time was very innovative uh, technology that enabled uh, both inbound lead generation coupled with the warm telephone transfer and that worked for me because I was balancing a number of different things but this this individual was uh, uh, active in the industry and he actually gave a presentation on a, uh, a program called the real estate tomato back in 2009 and immediately before he, he presented uh, Glenn Sanford was on the same show and talking about uh, exp which had just launched and he was talking about uh, the world and the avatar environment and he went through the business model and and my contact my friend told me about it and uh, the next thing i knew i was i was an avatar myself and i was in world and i was meeting with glenn and um you know the rest really i, I mean you know i was coming out of a period of time where i was spending an awful lot of time driving to and from uh, downtown boston in order to get into the, the law firm uh, and when, you, when when I got in there, you know, very very seldom did clients come in. Uh, generally, the day would have you come in, you'd say good morning, and you'd shut your door, and then you'd emerge, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours later. Right. Um, and so, you know, the utility of having that office and and the uh, uh, the the benefit of that drive was, you know, I, I just didn't make any sense to me. And I think I've shared with you, Michael, that I was raised by my mother alone, never met my dad. And uh, back in 2009, my second son was born uh, and uh, my, my oldest was two years old and I just didn't want to be absent myself. And uh, so uh, when Glenn explained why he had done what he had done, why he was approaching the business in the way that he was, specifically uh, the global financial crisis had, had sort of forced the entire industry to, to either get out or make a, make a change. Uh, it really resonated with me because I felt like I was a service professional myself that was living this existence that was uh, impacted adversely by brick and mortar costs. And, uh, and, and so it just it made all the sense in the world to me. And the other big driver was Glenn himself. Um, sure. you know, when, when you look at companies and you decide whether or not you want to be part of a company, part of an organization, part of a family, um, it, it's really critical to understand who 
you know, who's who, who you're getting into business with and what the character of that individual is. And I just got to say 10 and 10 plus years later, um, you know, from that first interaction, I, I admired Glenn both for his intellect, uh, his humility, uh, but really his desire to be, um, you know, a mentor to anybody uh, that that wanted to learn from him. And, uh, he, and he took great pleasure in learning from other people, too. And, uh, you know, that that for me was was the key. And uh, this was somebody I could trust. This was somebody who I respected. And uh, this was somebody who, who thought big and had good ideas. And he wasn't afraid to, to try him. And it didn't matter how crazy people thought he was. And uh, that's that's where invention comes about. And uh, so that that's that's how I got involved with EXP. But I've always loved the business and I still love the business today. You know, Jason, a few things you said that just resonated so much. First of all, your idea of why you left law and, you know, from from a perspective of, of me being that child of that of that attorney that was gone for 16 hours a day. You know, it, it's it's it just says so much about you and, you know, the the idea of wanting to put yourself in the shoes of what your your children were going through when you made that decision. And, you know, I need to just echo what you're saying about uh, about Glenn and 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 I need to include you in that conversation as well, because as we were doing the due diligence on, on, on both parts, on, on you with, with, with me and me with EXP, and it was really just in discovering one another. And every conversation that we had, there was a key word that just kept resonating, which was integrity. And it was an amazing amount of integrity that, that you and Glenn and Jeff all showed as individuals and then on top of that the expertise and the innovation in our industry was really what made the decision for for me just a a no-brainer i think it was just interesting to start looking at what the timing was on all of these things when you're talking about 2009 just have to remember that was just you know uh post-recession and 2008, there was there was just where everyone had lost so much money. And 2009 was when people were just trying to figure out how do we rebuild, how do we get out of this, and to have a platform like this emerge at that point in time, I think is really very interesting to look at the timing from just a macro point of view and say, wow, this really did get born of there. And now we start looking at the situation we're currently in with the global pandemic and people may be thinking oh this is a platform that's been in response to to this crisis whereas this platform has existed for a decade yeah no it, it's absolutely true i mean i i think you know i i often think back about you know what had happened what would have happened if if you know my my contact had not presented on the real estate tomato that day if he had gotten the stomach bug and uh, or, or for whatever reason, Glenn had to postpone. And, you know, uh, I think, you know, to, to, to do well professionally and, uh, you know, it takes a lot of luck, uh, particularly um, when you're able to do well and also have a lot of fun with it. And that, that has really been uh, the joy of all of this for me. And, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, Michael, you know, when we, when we were talking with you and really when we talk with anybody, we've learned from experience uh, and and just sort of it's ingrained in us, I think, to look first as to you know who are we getting into business with, what's their character, and uh, and 
So it, there's no surprise at all. Uh, I'm sure to the people listening that you're with EXP now. If those are our, those are our values. Indeed, and you know, and I love the fact that fun is part of that core value as well. It is. It is so much fun. You know, it's. You know, we all put in really long hours because we enjoy what we're doing, and you know, it, it just doesn't. Uh, you just don't think about it. it. It's just everyone is is working, but it's it's really a joy. I mean, I, you know, and it's so difficult to say that, but it's true. It's I'm enjoying what we're building together and what we're doing. So it, it is a lot of fun, but. Before we get too far ahead in that conversation, you know, as I said, you're, you're the CEO of EXP Realty. We've got over 30,000 agents and it's a virtual environment. It's a virtual atmosphere. How do you create that atmosphere where everyone just feels connected? I mean, I know the answer to that, but I want our listeners to hear your answer to that. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it is an amazing thing, right? I mean, we, we I know we haven't been able to have our live events, uh, you know, our shareholder event uh, this past uh, April. Uh, moved it in world, and it, it was a phenomenal event. And we had, you know, tens of, you know, I think 17 or 18,000 people that were participating. Uh, but I think to your question, um, I, I think it, it, you know, for me, it all started very early on. I think the fact that we were doing things uh, differently uh, back in 2010, and, and from that point forward, with avatars and, and you know, our, our campus and, and virtual world, I think the fact that it was so out of the box back then, because keep in mind, nobody was, you know, VR headsets, Oculus, uh, HTC, that, I mean, that was not, you know, top of mind for anybody. And, and, you know, there was no Google Cardboard. So people often would look at what we were doing and think, oh, how bizarre. What are you? Are you brokerage? Are you, you know, a, a, a video game? And, and, but the agents who saw it, uh, you know, the people who saw it early on, the first couple hundred folks, uh, and I, I, you know, just about all of them, I'm sure, are still with us today. I think they recognized that because we were doing things so differently, it, it really brought us together uh, and, and galvanized us. And I think uh, that, you know, the other piece of that is that in 2013, when we uh, introduced agent ownership, um, I think that had a lot to, to, you know, to do with it as well. I mean, I think it's important in any organization for the members of that organization to feel like that, you know, they have a purpose, that they have, you know, that their opinion is valued, that they're being heard. Um, and, you know, our commitment, both in terms of, you know, actual ownership of, of stock, but also, you know, ensuring that, you know, we've just appointed fee, fee gentry to the board of directors for World Holdings. And we have made a commitment since 2016 that there will always be agents on the public company board. And, and you know, that sort of commitment, you know, it's a clear message, I hope, to every single person, uh, every single agent, every single broker, everyone on staff, uh, whether they're located in Australia or Boston or New York City or Ottawa, uh, you know, I, I think it sends a clear message that, you know, you're an important part of this. Every single person in the organization is an important part of this, and and we want you to be a part of it. And I think I think you know I think people appreciate that, and I think they know that they can, uh, you know, share their opinions, share their concerns, express their frustrations, and they can do so in a way where uh, the conversation hopefully leads us to improvements. And because uh, uh, we all share the same goal, we all want the best for the company. And uh, so I think that's a big part of it. We also along the way we. You know, we would have uh, certain in-world events uh, that that would bring people in week after week after week. Uh, I think you know the Friday uh, leadership meeting that we started uh, 
uh, it was interesting how that evolved. You know, back in 2010, we would do that on Fridays at the same exact time, 8 a.m. Pacific. And there'd be about five or six of us around the table, you know, and it was really more, how are things going in this market? How are things going in that market? What's the weather like in Manhattan? And, um, but, you know, today it's evolved. And and I think back in 15, you know, we, we really, that was an event that would bring people in. And I think our agents also uh, have always been so generous and sharing what they know. Um, And, and, you know, we, we had, we've had a pretty good, uh, educational calendar for quite some time now, whether it's Brad Anderson uh, a, a few years ago or, uh, you know, David Harbour teaching classes on video way back when, or Curtis Dixon today, who's just phenomenal and, and amazing uh, job that he's doing. Uh, but, you know, I think central to each of those efforts, uh, whether, you know, under Brad or, or, or Curtis, is that we have agents who want to give back, agents who want to contribute. And, and when you have people who, who have a stake in the outcome of something, uh, they'd want nothing more than to be able to contribute to see it ultimately succeed. And I think that that really helps people feel connected too. You know, and I think it, it's, it's very clear when there's ownership involved and when people really do feel as though there is ownership. You know, in, in, even in my very uh, small example of where the methodology that 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 um, that I wanted to present on the international expansion, there was a lot of um, uh, eagerness and zest in our thirty thousand agents to really come in and 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 want to participate with the expansion and really when I sat down and I explained the methodology and why we're doing it in the way that we're doing it and how that helps build the story and how that helps them in what will ultimately be hopefully a very positive uh, impact on the stock as it's already been doing so well of late. Um, But really the idea that this is the thought process behind it and then 100% adoption. It was really just extraordinary to see that process and really the idea that when you're talking to someone who feels as though they're an owner of a company, that conversation differs and that conversation shifts and they understand the goal that's in place and everyone is on the same side then. Absolutely. I mean, you you just had your first uh, company-wide international town hall, if you will, on on Monday of this week, just a few days. And I think, you know, that's something you, you could announce that, you know, at, at any other uh, company and, and you, know, you may get people to attend. But I think the level of engagement, uh, you know, the degree to which our agents stop what they're doing, hop into the world, hop into the auditorium because they want to hear what's next, what's on the horizon and how they can help. And uh, I know from the, you know, the limited experience I had last year as we got international off the ground, just how many uh, agents want to be a part of that, just how many good relationships and contacts uh, exist among our network of 30,000 plus. And, um, you know, so, so people step up, uh, in this company all the time, people come forward with ideas all the time. And, and we take those ideas and, and we implement them if we think they're good. And, uh, you know, our, 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 some of our affiliated services efforts, uh, to date are based on ideas that have come from our agents. And, uh, I, I, I give credit to Glenn and, and credit to the company by extension, uh, for recognizing the value that exists uh, in, in having different ideas uh, among our agent base and, and sort of the richness of the experience and background that everybody brings to the table. Um, we, we really uh, uh, we're very lucky to have that. I think it's our greatest asset. 
it's it's a wonderful mosaic it definitely is you know i had the privilege yesterday of uh moderating our diversity panel and just to see a company of this uh, this magnitude of a publicly traded company that's now over a billion dollars in market cap that has 30,000 agents to really see that there is a a a concerted effort to have a conversation that at times is difficult but you know it's what brings us closer together you use the word family and I've been here now just shy of two months and I feel as though I've always been here. And that's extraordinary to really have someone just come into a new environment and be welcomed so warmly that you feel as though this has been your family all along. And it's it's a very rare thing to happen. And it's a beautiful atmosphere that's been built here. Well, you describe it well, and I, I think people hearing it and who have not experienced our environment, who have not been in our campus, uh, you know, it, it probably sounds, I mean, that that's the irony of it, right? I mean, we have created a culture, created an organization, created a dynam dynamism uh, within the world where people do feel like they're part of the family so quickly, and yet we're not side by side. We're not, uh, you know, within miles of each other. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's probably the last thing in the world people on the outside looking in would think exists uh, within our organization. But I, I would say to you, it, it's probably more uh, central and, and to our core than anything else. And uh, the diversity discussion, in fact, I've just, I just left, uh, we had our first company-sponsored uh, Pride event in EXP World in the auditorium just uh, about an hour ago. And, uh, uh, you know, these are the things that um, really speak to who you are and how you value people and how you respect people. And it's been, um, not to get off track here, but it, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been distressing to see what's going on in the world over the last uh, couple of months. And, and uh, um, you know, and, and this idea of uh, disparate treatment of anybody uh, for, for any reason, it just seems so fundamental uh, to me, this notion of equality. I mean, it's in the Declaration of Independence, for Pete's sake, right? I mean, it, it's... And, and yet somehow it's such a challenge. And the only way to get through that challenge is through conversation. And uh, so thank you for facilitating that one. I know it's, uh, I think there's a, there, you know, it's, it's an ongoing conversation within the company. And uh, I think it's a very healthy thing for us. For me, it was an honor. And it was something that it makes me feel so much closer to the company that I work for and the family that I'm a part of because of these conversations. So. It, it, it is us getting off track, but it is, uh, it, it is an important conversation, and, and, and I just thank you for, for starting them. Um, but, you know, Jason, you're, you know, you're, you're a really benevolent leader. I mean, in, in the short time that I've known you, I've seen you, and every time that you make a decision, you, you listen to all sides, and, you know, you, you guide people to that decision and you know it takes some great skill to do that because there's there's 30,000 very diverse personalities and I'm learning them as well and but this takes great skill is that your is that your litigator at work how are you doing this goodness no that that does that definitely that definitely definitely is not the law background I, I was fortunate enough I, I was not in litigation uh, very often you know, maybe a couple of motions motion sessions here or there but uh no, I, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, first of all, thank you for saying that. And I think you probably give me way, way, way too much, too much credit. I, I think um, one thing I know about myself is that I, I don't know everything. And one thing I know about 
anything that goes on within the company is that I'm not the sole decision maker, right? In terms of whether an idea is acceptable or not, or whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, I, one of the things I uh, was told uh, long ago is that, you know, we have two ears and one tongue for, for a reason, right? Because you, you just, you need to listen. And I think, you know, one word that I disdain is management, yeah, you know, manage, you know, nobody wants to be managed, right? And I don't want to manage anybody. And I think that the greatest ideas are going to come out uh, when people know that they can communicate different opinions. They can they can make suggestions without you know fearing that they're going to be viewed as, as silly or invaluable or not valuable. Um, you know, and, and I think that's the most important thing. And, and to Glenn again, I mean, he he has uh, really I think worked hard to make sure that we have a flat organization that it's not hierarchical. Uh, that, that people don't, you know, view other people as subordinates or superiors, uh, that everybody's, you know, striving for, towards the same thing. And the more that we have diversity of opinion, uh, that, that's your, true, uh, your truest source of power and strength. And um, so uh, I, I credit every single person that's part of the conversations that we have on a daily basis. Uh, I, I, I learn more in those conversations than I could ever contribute. And... Um, and so I'm just I'm just lucky in that way. You know, it was it was interesting because I had Glenn as a as a guest in an earlier podcast, and I introduced him um, as my boss, and he says, "I'm not your boss, Michael. I'm your coach." And I thought it was so uh, poignant of a yeah. thought because it, it really doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that, yeah. uh, that he would say that. I mean. You know, he doesn't view himself being above anybody else. I don't view myself being above anybody else. And, and I think the people that come to EXP and stay with EXP feel the same way. We're yeah. all working towards the same thing. So I, that, that's, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, no surprise there. It was, it was, a, it was a beautiful statement. So, um, and, 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 and it just resonates at this place. It is just really terrific. Um, I want to ask you, Jason, what are the top three lessons that you've learned in your career thus far? Um, I think, you know, I guess three lessons that I mean, not necessarily from one segment of my career or another, nope. but I think, uh, you know, the EXP experience has been interesting because, you know, over, over time, you know, you achieve certain milestones and, and you become more and more recognized as a company, more and more recognized as a brand, as a business model. Um, and, and that's when people start saying things about you that uh, are a distortion of facts or, you know, are, are intended to drive fear or uncertainty or doubt in what it is that you're doing. Uh, so I think, you know, one of the lessons I've learned is that the, the things people dislike most about others are generally the things that they don't have the courage to do themselves. And uh, uh, so, you know, I guess that would that would be one. The second is that you know just to be kind to everybody unless somebody gives you a reason not to be and uh i, I you know i credit my mother with that i credit my grandparents uh with that that's a life lesson that's not a career lesson and, and it's uh you know and uh, it's it's just it, it's probably the most important thing to me is just to be kind and respectful towards everybody until they give you a reason uh mm -hmm. not to be the third uh let's see you know don't i would say don't spend every waking moment of every day uh, thinking about whether you're doing the right thing in terms of career, right? Am I in the right, am I in the right job now? Am I in the right uh, career now? 
I mean, these are important questions and they're questions that people need to, to think about and answer for themselves. But if you start thinking about it every single day, um, it, it can really bog you down. So, you know, I, I always try to take one day a year, right? You pick a, pick a particular day, maybe it has some significance, uh, you know, to you personally. And that's the day when you take an assessment of where you've been over the last 12 months and where you want to go over the next 12 and, and how those two things are aligned. Um, but you know, that, that was, uh, that was something that was uh, shared with me by a, um, a, a, my, uh, tax professor in law school. And, uh, I thought it was great advice and I've tried to hate it ever since. That's actually a fantastic, fantastic advice. I love that. So you just pick one day a year and you just take stock and you decide to just be honest with yourself. Yep. And when that day's over, then, you know, you've already recommitted to giving your very best effort for the next 12 months to what it is you've decided to do. I love that. Well, actually, that's a good segue to my next question, <laughs> which was going to be, what was your vision for the next 10 years? Um, is that something that happens when you take stock on that day, when you start looking at what the future plans are? Have you thought that far ahead? Uh, no, I, I generally don't think they got that, that far ahead. I mean, Glenn, you know, Glenn's the visionary here. Uh, there's, there's no question about that. And, uh, I think if there's one piece for me where, where I could sort of say that I envision things that are great for this company, um, you know, we're in this, we're in this position where we've got, you know, we're in all 50 States, we're in the district of Columbia, we're in most of Canada, we're in the UK, we're in Australia. I know that, you know, thanks to your efforts and the efforts of the team supporting you, uh, you know, we're going to be in a number of different places. And in each of those places, people will oftentimes speak languages that are different than our own. They'll have a, a religious uh, faith or background that, that's, you know, different from, from others. They'll uh, have a, a different skin color. They'll have different uh, uh, sexual orientation. They'll have, you know, just all sorts of different backgrounds. And, uh, and in addition, you know, there are going to be different customs that, that exist uh, within all of these places. And what I love about EXP you know, is, is that we have this world, EXP world, right? And, and, and again, to those who haven't been in, come on in, just, just drop in and just check it out. But it really is a place. And it's a place where in the U.S. we've got people that have, have come to us with all sorts of different backgrounds, you know, law enforcement uh, professors, cardiologists that are with EXP today. And, and they have different perspectives on things. They have different experiences that inform those perspectives. And as, as fellow shareholders, fellow owners in the company uh, that have a destination that doesn't know any borders, they come in uh, and they, they contribute, they share what it is they know. And so you have this just enormous richness uh, of background and experience uh, that allows you to, to, to drive forward as a company and, and it opens you up to ideas and possibilities that you wouldn't have arrived at or identified on your own. And when we start thinking about international, uh, I, you know, I, I just I can't wait to the time where I have insomnia one evening and I'm, you know, 2 a.m. and I'm in the world and I bump into somebody from another country and, uh, you know, they're on their way to a sales meeting or, or a class. And uh, I, th I think one of the things that we've really done and uh, somehow it's it's just it, I think it's because, you know, we're, we really are adhere to our values and we feel strongly about them. But one thing we've really done that has been critical to our success is we've been able to build community and mm -hmm. we've been able to build community without respect to geography, you know, barriers, whether drawn or natural, don't, don't make a difference here. Everybody, whether they're 
you know, whether it's midnight where they are right now or it's 2.30 in the afternoon where I am, um, you know, everybody can come in, everybody can contribute. And when they do, they bring with them uh, all of that, you know, difference of background and, and, and richness and diversity. And I think if you can really harness that, if you can find a destination for that, and if you can give people a purpose, um, you know, something that they believe in, there's just enormous power in that. And, uh, and I think that's, that's what I envision going forward over the next 10 years as you continue to get us into more and more markets and we make the opportunity available to more and more people. Uh, they make for us a, a, you know, available the opportunity uh, to learn from them and understand how they go about things and, and get their ideas and input on things. I love the beauty and the eloquence with which you just described that because when you start looking at EXP world, it truly is a world. It truly is a community. You start looking at, you know, the the avatars that have uh, different dress that are um, that are respectful of the different religions and ethnicities, as you were just talking about it. When we all integrate as avatars in this world, it it, it is extraordinary to to see that. You know, at the moment you hear these different languages that are that are that are happening and different dialects and you know i'll i'll be in 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 a meeting in a day and you know we'll pop in from our sydney office in australia and 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 go to the uk office and then back to canada back to our office in the world and it's all seamless and it's the idea that all of this is is happening within a sense of community and I actually want to stay on the question of technology for a second, because I know we, we just alluded to it a little bit earlier, but it is so much more important now. And we start looking at the environment now in a post-COVID world and the idea of a virtual um, platform. And, you know, it, it, it's now the new normal for for all of us really in trying to figure out how we operate, whether that's Zoom or Microsoft Teams, but for the EXP world that's been happening for well over a decade and, and the Verbella technology that powers all of this, it's really the idea of how how do you actually think? Because I'll tell you, when I first started and I, and I jumped in, in, in into an avatar, I'm like, what the heck is this? Now it's just common knowledge. It, it, you just don't think about it. And you're part of that, and, and that does become your normal. What, tell me a little bit how that all started, Jason. How is all of this with the technology, with Verbella? How is it, how did this come to be? Well, I think you know whether you're talking about you know people across industries in the in you know today's COVID world, uh, or you're talking about Glenn back in 2009. I mean, to some extent, you know, necessity is the, is the mother, you know what they what do they say mother of invention, right? So, That's right. Yeah. I mean, for him, he recognized you know he he was able to see clearly as others were getting out of the business, people that wanted to be in the business for a long time. He was able to identify and see that he had to make a, a fundamental change if he wanted to stay in the business and continue to grow and continue to expand and continue to succeed. And he wasn't afraid to step out of his comfort zone. Uh, I think. You know, today, uh, it's you know, the, the, I'd say the the one uh, bit of of, of good uh, that you know has has come from the pandemic is that um, you know it, it's been really nice to be able to go to work in the same way 
that we have, right? That we, that I've been going to work for the last ten years, and and to sort of take your mind off of everything that's going on in the world. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, organizations they they want to keep some semblance of culture. They they want to keep their people connected, and uh, you know, at the moment, it's particularly challenging to do that in a traditional environment. And uh, but you know, that that willingness to take a step out of your comfort zone isn't always there. It's, it can be ch- really challenging to find, particularly when you have a number of things that you're working on, you're, you're balancing priorities, you know, to, to make a shift like that voluntarily, uh, it, it really takes a vision and it takes some courage. And I think, uh, you know, the pandemic has forced people into a position now where, where they have had to pivot and they have had to work in this way. And I think what's going to happen is that long after the pandemic is over, people will have identified all of the other benefits that come with working remotely, right? And, uh, you know, for us, you know, our agents earn more than they can earn really anywhere else because this is the way we work. This is our cost structure and we can build community without having all of the costs that typically are attendant to building a community, brick and mortar, you know, all of, all of these different staffing roles and all of these multiple locations, um, you know, for, for, the, uh, for, for the young lawyer who wonders why am I spending uh, why am I billing 2,400 hours a year when if we didn't have this office and we didn't have the parking costs, we didn't have the utilities and phone systems that, you know, maybe I could I could bill 1,800 or 1,600 and maybe my client wouldn't have to pay $700 an hour. Maybe they could pay 250 or yeah. for, you know, the person who runs the financial services uh, and bookkeeping firm and and who, you know, could grow and grow and grow because there's so much value in their offering, but they can't find enough talent in their local market. They don't, can't find enough bookkeepers, right? So, you know, the idea that you can look anywhere now for for talent and you can bring them in and, and they don't have to relocate and they don't have to move. And there's just so many benefits. You know, at Verbella, uh, I know they, they just announced the partnership with uh, HTC and the XR Suite. Uh, we're seeing universities, you know, that are in there now, big companies, recognizable names, uh, are in Verbella, and and this is the new normal for them, and I couldn't be happier for them. And uh, uh, it's it, but I I think it sort of took something like this to get people out of their comfort zone. And it's exciting to see that growth. And you're absolutely right. I think it does. Uh, you know, it takes a it takes something to move uh, someone. You need to have a an action in order to have motion. And so I think that you're absolutely right with that. And, and, and what's been created is just extraordinary. You know, you talked about agents earlier and the whole real idea of EXP is to empower agents. That's the entire model from, from this firm, making it an agent-centric model where they're the brand. And I know you feel a great responsibility for the agent's success and you're always there for them. What is the best tool in your opinion for that goal um well first of all you're, you're correct i mean we what do we say agent success obsessed right and That's right. Uh, and we recognize uh staff who are who demonstrate over and over again their commitment to that uh the best tool for agent success i mean if, if you really ask i mean I, for me it's the agent's desire for their own success and i think you know i think that you know for a number of reasons that that can be uh elusive for people, but I think if you have that desire for your own success and you believe in your own ability, um, then then we've got all the tools in the world. We've got the environment, we've got the the collaborative spirit, and we've got the people uh, that that want to help and and help maximize the likelihood of that success. So, 
Uh, but I, I think that has to start from within. So I would say it's the agent's own desire. I love that answer because I think that that is the basis of everything. It's the basis of the agent believing in themselves first, right? It's the idea that, you know, this, this, this model is very foreign in many, uh, in many places outside of the United States. So things like an independent contractor in, in the UK, for example, it was a real foreign concept because a lot of them were employees on a very low salary that only earned a small percentage of the commission. But those agents that believed in themselves and jumped into this model are seeing incredible growth in their careers. So I love the idea of having the best tool be the agent's belief system because it's true that's where everything builds from yeah absolutely I, and you know it's interesting about the uk uh, I, I probably shouldn't share this but it, it was after we decided to go into the market you know that that i actually realized just how small of a percentage of the commission that comes into the estate agency the agent uh, received um and you're right i mean it, it's a it's a stipend arrangement and it's you know sort of enough to get by but um and you know, though you're, you're correct. I mean, in a very short period of time, we're up to about 70 or 75 agents in the UK and, and they're engaged and, you know, they, they're doing great business. And, but I think they recognize their own value. They recognize their worth and they understand that it's, it's a lot greater than what uh, custom would suggest in the UK. Oh, and we're going to be growing much more in the UK. There's something that's, uh, that's going to be up our sleeve here pretty soon too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I have a question also. You were talking about um, earlier where, you know, one of your conscious decisions really in, in leaving your law practice was that balance with your children and that balance of home and work life. And obviously, you know, I know that, you know, our model is, is, is an obviously a virtual model. So all of us work from home. But how do you actually balance that home and work life? Because I know that, that I keep ridiculous schedules and I know that it, whenever I text you, you're, you're texting me like five minutes later. And whether that be at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning or, you know, 9 p.m. on a Thursday, it's sort of like you're, you're texting me right away. And so how do you balance that? Because I know I have no life, but you actually have a life. <laughs> how do you balance yours? Well, I, I, I do think... You know, and again, the pandemic has demonstrated this. I do think we're set up for work-life balance, certainly. I mean, you know, no commutes, uh, you know, kids everywhere, uh, you know, were dismissed from school early in the year. Um, and, and so parents, including our staff, who are moms and dads, you know, found themselves with added responsibilities and, and, uh, and you know, they've, they've continued to do great work and at the same time care for their kids. And, and uh, we wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, we, we're flexible in terms of our time off policy. Uh, so we're really set up for work-life balance. In terms of how I achieve it first, um, it, it can be a challenge. I mean, part of the challenge is, you know, working from home. I can remember coming back, uh, you know, from, from the office when I used to commute. You had that, you know, depending on traffic, 45 minutes or 90 minutes in the car where you could really transition. You could listen to the radio. You could, you could you know, just get your mind off of the work and mentally transition uh, to going home and being with your family. And, and sometimes that can be hard here because you stop and you're here. It's like there, there is no transition period. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the, the one thing I will say, my oldest son in particular uh, really understands that there is a trade-off. I mean, so, you know, you may text me at nine o'clock at night or you may 
uh, you know, 9 a.m. on a Sunday, and and I'll pick up the phone and I'll respond as best I can. And you know, they understand that, and they understand that the alternative uh, is that I could still be driving in someplace every day, three hours a day in the car, not enjoying what I'm doing, coming home uh, probably uh, less less pleasant and less happy than I would like to be for them. Um, but you know, I think you know you got you got to really keep track of your time and. Uh, for me, I think exercise is an important part of, of the day. It just sort of gets me in the right frame of mind to get the most out of myself during the workday. And if at the end of the workday I feel like I've done that, I've given my best and we've accomplished a few things, then it, uh, it, it's relieving and it allows me to really enjoy uh, the company of my family. But they're, they're very supportive and very understanding, and that's, that's very important too. Oh, that's one. I look forward to meeting them very soon once we're post-pandemic here. And so... I have one last question for you, Jason, and it's uh, and it's a doozy. It's one that I like to ask many of my guests. But what would you like your legacy to be? Uh, you know, the word legacy. I I, I mean, I, I guess I'd you know, be known as a good dad uh, first. Um, with respect to to EXP, it's really you know what's what's the company's legacy, right? I mean, when you know, hundred years from now, people will say you know. Look at the history of EXP. What, what did it do? And what EXP has done, and what it will continue to do, is fundamentally transform lives. I mean, we we have, uh, you know, agents you know, agents who have paid off their mortgage uh, after you know previously being homeless. We've got uh, people with with you know children with disabilities who who worry about the expense of that. They worry about who's going to care for their kid after they're gone and unable to take care of them. And, and, and we've sort of provided an opportunity that allows the economic relief to take that worry off of their shoulders and off of their mind. Um, you know, I, I would say that everybody should be so fortunate, as I have been, uh, to, to be part of something where you have somebody reach out to you and tell you just what a huge impact you've made in their life. And of course, you haven't done it. You know, the model's done it. And, and you know, the that the, every agent in the company has done it because we've all contributed to the spirit of the of the organization. But everybody should have the opportunity to make an impact on somebody's life or contribute to making an impact on somebody's life in the way that EXP does. And to the extent that I've been a part of that from early on, uh, and, the, and to the extent that I can continue to make a contribution to that, uh, then I, there's nothing I'd rather have. I love that answer. That is a a perfect place to have us close this. And Jason, you know, in, in the time that I've known you, I, I have to tell you, you know, you are a a humble man, you are a gentleman, you are someone whom I have tremendous respect for, and that respect just grows daily. It's as we get to know each other more and more, it's just the layers of who you are as a human being is really something that I just admire so much. And I, I am, I feel so blessed to have you in my life. And I thank you very much for today and our conversation today. I, I feel the same way, Michael, you know, you never know. I mean, at any moment in time, you know, we, we run into somebody and, and it can change our life. And uh, it's been really uh, a pleasure getting to know you. I think you represent and stand for the best of the industry and, uh, I, I couldn't be more proud, and I know that my kids and my wife have, 
heard many, many things about you. So we're eager to get you up here to say hello as soon as we can. I love that. That's terrific. Well, thank you again, Jason. And thank you for all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Thank you very much. 